I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. My name is Ashley Sterner, and there is an old Baltimore streetcar in a ditch near Hereford. How did it get there? Ashley, listeners will be familiar with your voice if they listen to WYPR. You are our Morning Edition host, and I have allowed you to jump the queue with your question, number one, because you're a friend, and number two, because it's such a crazy question. Tell me more about this. You discovered this with your own two eyes on a hike. Yeah, so... um Uh, I go hiking every weekend, and one day, about two and a half years ago, I was walking past this ravine and looked down at the ravine and said, what is that? That looks like an old streetcar, and went down and explored, and it does indeed appear to be the uh, remains of an old streetcar from Baltimore. So you and I are up here in Hereford. Listeners will probably hear, actually, the traffic of I-83 behind us. Uh, we're right next to the highway, but then it becomes wilderness pretty immediately as we uh, look to our right. You're going to hike us into this ravine. I'm going to follow you. Let's, uh, let's go have a look at this thing. Okay. You get up here to the county often to hike on the weekends, huh? People uh, probably want to know what your life is like when you're not behind the microphone. Uh, yeah, so uh, if there is a trail around a reservoir in Maryland, uh, I probably know it. And this counts. This counts because this is close to um, Pretty Boy Reservoir. This is uh, after the dam and the big gunpowder is rolling down. Now all the traffic sounds are going to get quieter. There it is. I don't know if you can see it, Aaron. You're absolutely right. This looks like a scene out of The Last of Us or The Walking Dead. What's going on here? This is some sort of future apocalypse. Somehow this streetcar got here. I mean, there must have been some sort of railroad. I mean, they didn't just tow it up here and dump it in the ravine. I can't, well, I don't know what they did. Maybe they did. I don't know. You are a radio professional. Let me have you paint a picture with words about what we're looking at here. We are staring down on a winter's day, trees and bracken along the side, and there, nestled (laughs) into the ravine, is a large streetcar, longer than a city school bus, um, painted yellow, or what remains of it, mostly rusted, windows are all gone, giant holes have decayed in the metal roof, Um, there's pieces of metal all over the place, Um, probably pieces of the streetcar that people have messed with over the course of the last decades. Um, Yeah. It's been here for a while. It's got that vintage kind of 50s, 60s look to it. It looks like it's about half sunk into the ground at this point, too. It won't look that bad once we get down there, but yeah. (laughs) All right, let's go down this ravine and get a closer look. Broken windows. And then all of the rust comes flying off when you (laughs) smack it. There's a bit of a back seat left there. You can still see some fabric on the very back seats, but uh, the other seats, there's just like a bit of remnants of them. And it's full of wires. This this bus was very uh, advanced for its day, I guess. What is the history behind this thing? Let's go this way, because I think the um, original uh, name of the streetcar is still on it. Okay, so it's seven, three, something, zero. Look at vines are growing over top of this thing. Tree branches have fallen on top of it. 
So it's got this, uh, these old-timey sliding doors. I wonder if they still open and close. Let's try and see if it'll move. Okay. Look at all the lights in this, inside, the old lighting. I mean, the bulbs are all gone, but this must have been a beautiful, a beautiful streetcar to ride in. Even though it's in such decay and disrepair, it's like weirdly elegant. Uh, I think it survived a lot of things that uh, wouldn't survive otherwise. Ooh, what does that sign say? Warning, keep arms and... I think it says keep head and arms inside. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm in, I, I couldn't resist. I, I walked inside this thing now. I'm going to walk my way up to the front here and hope I, my feet don't fall through the floor. Yeah, I would be very cautious. Here's the driver's seat. And the control panel, what, what's left of the control panel of what must have run this thing? Oh, there's the old accelerator and brake pedal there. Oh, there's the gear shifter box. Everything has fallen completely apart. <laughs> this, this is not road ready. This is definitely a fixer-upper. <laughs> so, Ashley, ha having gotten to witness this mystery with my own eyes, I certainly understand your curiosity. We, I am going to do my best to figure out where this thing came from and why it's here. I'm sure you will succeed on that. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to finding out. <laughs> You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. More in a moment. All right, here we go. This is the man with the answer to this week's mystery. He actually used to ride on that very streetcar when he was a kid. My godfather used to take me out after church on Sundays to go ride streetcar lines. And I fell in love with streetcars. That love affair with streetcars began back in 1955 when John Engelman was an 11-year-old kid. They were fun. It wasn't like riding a bus. Riding a bus, you were in a stinking thing that bounced up and down on the street. A streetcar was smooth. It ran on steel rails. Everything was very quiet. I mean, it made people said it was noisy because when it went over another piece of track work, it would bang a little bit, and they would squeal going around corners. But basically, they were quiet, and they were smooth, and they were fast. Alas, like many great romances, the young Mr. Engelman's streetcar infatuation was tinged by an impending tragedy. He had just a few short years to revel in those rides around town before history, in the name of progress, would intervene. The streetcar system required an elaborate infrastructure, poles and trolley wires and tracks. It was expensive. Meanwhile, more and more people were buying their own cars and spreading further out into the county. So, on November 3rd, 1963, the last Baltimore City streetcar ran its route and pulled into the Irvington car house at 6.34 a.m. And Mr. Engelman was on that car, car number 7407. The incredible thing, though, when I interviewed Mr. Engelman for this story, we did the interview sitting in that exact same car. We are sitting in car number 7407. Back in the day, Mr. Engelman used to ride all 132 operating streetcars, but this one, 7407, 
This one was his true love. I got to know the idiosyncrasies of every single car just by riding them consistently and paying attention to them. And this car, number 7407, just stood out. It didn't rattle. It ran fast. It stopped fast. It had heat. It just did everything right. And I just sort of fell in love with a streetcar. So back in the 50s, when he saw the writing on the wall, Mr. Engelman made it his mission to save this one car for posterity. Right now, it's parked in the car house at Baltimore's Streetcar Museum. Yes, there is a streetcar museum in Baltimore, and it is awesome. It's down on Falls Road, and uh, you can find them online at BaltimoreStreetcarMuseum.org. The founders of this museum are some of the folks who teamed up with Mr. Engelman those many decades ago to save car number 7407. The members of the streetcar museum are all volunteers. They've all gotten together. They've built a streetcar line that's about a mile long. We've restored a number of cars. We're still restoring cars. The membership is shrinking because we're all getting a lot older. But uh, we're still here and we're still running streetcars. I look around the interior of this streetcar and I see the, you know, the seafoam green paint job. I see a lot of shiny stainless steel. It's like a 57 Chevy kind of a vibe. We're like an old 50s diner. I mean, there was a kind of engineering and design back then that it, it, this really drives home. Right. It was made to attract people. The seats are comfortable. I mean, everything in it was designed for a purpose. The windows crank up like an old automobile, then crank back down again. There's plenty of light in the car. They're spacious. And if you maintain them well enough, they still run today. Now, the noise that you hear right now, the humming noise, is the motor generator set. Everything runs off of that. That basically is the heart of the car. It turns it on. The click, 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 click is the fare box running around. It'll stop. And then the streetcar always had this thing, which was a big part of it. And when you heard that back in the day, you got out of the way. Because this thing was, this is a... (laughs) 36,000 pound machine. And if it's coming at you and it starts ringing a bell like that, you better watch out because something's gonna happen. This streetcar is restored so beautifully. I was almost gonna say it should be in a museum, but it's actually, that's exactly where it is and where it should be for people to visit and enjoy. But this car, 7407, is a far cry from its sibling, that old Hulk out there in the woods, rusting away into oblivion. When I first saw it, I looked through the registry of Baltimore streetcars and found a picture of one that I think was it. But I don't know for a fact. But the thing is, there's two of them here. We can go up the road and I can show it to you. um, We'll have to climb back up out of the ravine then. All right. I'm going to follow your footsteps. There. Way off in the woods back there. Um, Too many houses, too much stuff for me to feel comfortable venturing back there and poking into it. But that's definitely another streetcar. You see it? I can see it through the woods. Uh, yeah, it's behind someone's house, I guess. It looks like it's in a little bit better shape than the one um, down in the ditch, but it's also not roadworthy anymore. Yeah, even from a distance, though, you can see it's uh, of the same vintage, and it's probably been around for uh, up here for just as long. Would be my guess. So that's why I'm like either they dragged them up here for some reason and dumped them, or there was maybe some sort of infrastructure here at some point that they used to get them up here. 
I feel like the plot has thickened enough, and we are well overdue for a definitive answer to our question. Well, when the transit company decided to get rid of the streetcars, they sold them all to a scrapper. John Engelman says that scrapper turned out to be a real entrepreneur. He offered up the cars for sale to anyone who wanted one for whatever they wanted to use it for. A streetcar body went for 100 bucks, and if you wanted the trucks to go with it, that's the axles and wheels, that'd be another 100 bucks. And there were some takers. A couple people decided, you know, I can buy a streetcar body. A Mr. Snyder out in Hereford was one of those people, and I cannot remember his first name, but his last name was Snyder. He had a home out there on Bunker Hill Road, and there was a stream that flowed through his property. It was a free-flowing stream, and 200 feet from his house was a little sunken area that became a natural-type swimming pool. He had water flowing into the pool and water flowing out of the pool. He decided he was going to buy a streetcar body for a pool house. Back then, there was no Interstate 83. So he had the car trucked from York Road Car House on York Road, car number 7350, out to his property. He used his neighbors and his front-end loader and sort of jackknifed the car down from Bunker Hill Road down to the stream level and set it up to become a pool house. In the meantime, the state of Maryland and federal government built Interstate 83, that cut off his free-flowing stream. The dream of having a pool with a free-flowing stream disappeared. He decided, well, I've got the streetcar body here, but there's nothing I can do with it now. One of his neighbors up the hill saw it and decided to get another one. So there was another car, number 7317. That's the other one we saw that's behind a house up there. That's the other car, yes. And as far as we know, nothing's ever been done with that car. We don't know what its purpose was, why the neighbor got it or anything, but there was never any sign that anything was done to it. But the people at the Baltimore Streetcar Museum found the car 7350 down at the bottom of the hill one day. Somebody had been driving down 83 and said, hey, I just saw a streetcar down the bottom of that hill. Well, we went out and looked at it. And, of course, Mr. Snyder came over and said, what are you doing on our property? And we told him what we were doing. He says, well, you guys want it? All you have to do is sign this piece of paper. You guys can have it. So we were more than happy to do that. Well, back then, we were still all teenagers in our, in our early 20s. So what year was this, and what kind of condition was the streetcar in at that point? At that point, the car was pretty much still a solid streetcar. It didn't have any paint on it. The paint had basically flaked off of it because this was probably 1974, 1975. It had been sitting there for 10 years out in the open. Uh, it still had all the glass in the windows. It still had all of its lights in it. The seats had been taken out. He had taken all them out, prepared to use them for a pool house. But the whole car was basically there, minus its wheels. It had no wheels. They weren't gone. But we jacked the car up. We put railroad ties underneath of it to keep it up off of the ground so the ground moisture wouldn't get in, into the floor and the electrical equipment underneath, which was all still there. And uh, the streetcar museum members started to work on the car. And we got the entire car completely painted on the outside. We cleaned up the inside of it. We had work parties out there on Saturdays and Sundays a lot of times. And we were ready to move the car 
from Hereford to the Baltimore Streetcar Museum, which was down here on Falls Road again by that time. Unfortunately, Interstate 83 had been built. The road in was no longer the road out because they had built a bridge and the bridge was too low to put a streetcar body on a truck and truck it out. So we were just basically stuck. Here's the streetcar sitting there with no way to get it out. And unfortunately, the only alternative method was to use a helicopter from the State National Guard. And for one reason or another, that didn't eventuate. And the car just sort of sat and sat and then just got worse and worse until your reader saw it. And that's still there. But not much of it. An ungainly end for such an elegant vintage machine. And uh, car 7350 isn't the only one that was scattered to the winds to disintegrate. Mr. Engelman has tried to track down leads on other derelict cars without success. There's a rumor that a guy bought one and was going to use it for a bomb shelter, but that fizzled out. Another one went out to Liberty Road to be used at a Boy Scout camp, but the elements overtook it and it disappeared. And I guess all this is to say it's kind of all the more miraculous that there are a few classic streetcars that still have their vintage luster. And thanks to the crew at the Baltimore Streetcar Museum, they still run today on a mile-long track cobbled together from the city's original rails. When you visit the museum, you can ride these cars yourself and listen to the bells and the hum of the tracks and feel the enchantment of what it must have been like to be a kid in a long, bygone Baltimore. Ashley Sterner, you asked this week's question. I got a little poetic there for a minute. I hope you can forgive me for that. But uh, I'm happy to say we did find an answer to your question. The mystery of the abandoned streetcar in the woods, I dare say, case closed. What are you left thinking here at the end of this story? First off, that's super cool. Second off, I am so sad that it did not get salvaged. I mean, now my new question is, why couldn't they have just torn out 83? (laughs) (laughs) This is the story of the one that got away, or one of the ones that got away. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just the fact that it was restored and then fell apart again, that it it is is decayed twice, is, uh, it's just, I don't know how you'd restore it a third time, but maybe someone should. It really does kind of make it all the more special when you go to the Baltimore Streetcar Museum and see the ones that, you know, have been babied and pampered and taken care of and are still in their original glory. It's just an awesome sight. And to ride on them is awesome, too. Yeah, it's it's almost incomprehensible how different they are um, from the state of decay to, to how it looked like new. My mental image of what it would have looked like new was nothing like it actually is. I thought it would have been all oranges and and yellows and burnt umbers. I have the autumnal um, idea of what the palette should be, but it's beautiful and it's seafoam green. You want to hear one more awesome thing? I do. It's going to make you jealous that you didn't come to the streetcar museum with me. Okay, what is it? All right, when I was there, they were running rides on one of the streetcars, and uh, the conductor is a guy named Mark Dawson. Uh, He's also the vice president and curator of the museum. Uh, This gentleman, Mr. Dawson, let me drive one of the streetcars. Check this out. Grab the uh, handle and move it to the first notch. Oh my God! Okay, here we go. This way. Oh my God! Now we're. Oh, this is incredible. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. Go to the next notch. Next notch. Okay. That's good. Okay. Oh, now we're really cooking with grease. All right. Wow. This is. Next notch. Next. Up again. 
Wow, this is, feels like we're going pretty fast. How fast are we going right Probably 10 to 12 miles per hour. That's all the speed you need in a, on a city street. You just have to stop at the next corner to pick up passengers. That is definitely the fastest feeling 10 miles an hour I've ever experienced. Uh, that's when I handed the controls back over to the conductor, I will assure you, Ashley. Uh, but I want to thank you for that excellent experience, which never would have happened otherwise. And uh, thank you, my friend, for uh, an excellent question. And thank you for figuring it out. That's really great. That is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, an original production of WIPR in Baltimore in partnership with the Baltimore Banner. Uh, oh, hey, by the way, I should uh, switch the topic from streetcars to buses here for a second. I got a nice note from a listener after the recent uh, episodes that we've done about Baltimore City's bus system. Uh, this comes from listener Rebecca Longstreth. She writes, I've been enjoying your podcast, the show in February about Baltimore's bus system. Why is Baltimore's bus system such a mess? It was more than just enjoyable. It was informative and eye-opening. Like Charlie, she's talking about the uh, commuter who was at the center of that story. She writes, I've been dealing with the same logistics of trying to depend on the bus for my commute to and from work, and I could definitely relate to all the frustrations mentioned in the show. It was really great to find out what's behind the mess and what's being done to address it. Furthermore, she writes, it was something of a call to action for those of us who can spare the time to advocate for a better bus system. Most people who ride the bus have to. A few of us choose to. I think most of us who choose to ride the bus do so out of a certain commitment to a cause, such as the environment. If that cause means something to us, we have to stand up for it. Rebecca, I appreciate your note. Thanks for taking the time to write. You know, you can always be in touch with the Maryland Curiosity Bureau at our website wypr.org slash curiosity. There's an archive there of all of our past episodes, as well as a little interactive box where you can type in a question of your own and put me to work. The website again, wypr.org slash curiosity. And uh, hey, if you feel generous and you've got an extra couple of minutes, you can always leave a review for the podcast on, you know, Apple Podcasts or whatever app you listen on. Just a couple of lines is all it takes to help other curious listeners find their way to this program. So thanks for that. I appreciate you. Okay, for the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Be in touch. And we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org. <laughs>